Welcome to the Tell Me Podcast. I'm your host, Ilya. On this episode, I have a chat with George Bell. Over the last few years, um, I've had an awesome time soaking up content that George has released during his time at Fieldcraft, from his military stories to survival and preparedness. I also had to have him on this podcast because I wanted to have his perspective on the current situation in Ukraine, a place where he deployed during the incident in 2014. George enlisted in the U.S. military in 1998 and began his career with the U.S. Army Psychological Operations, also known as PSYOPs, under the Special Operations Command. This role would take him all over the world, from jumping into Afghan in October 2001, to Southeast Asia, to Libya after the 2012 Benghazi attack, uh, and to Ukraine, as I mentioned previously, in 2014, um, and plenty more in between. Look, I specifically mention Ukraine because uh, as I'm recording this, we are in day two of Russia's uh, invasion into Ukraine, um, and I you know, just wanted to get this episode out there, obviously. Um, after his time in the military, George transitioned to Civvy Street and linked up with Mike Glover over at Mike's company, Fieldcraft Survival, where he served uh, uh, in the end as the company's vice president. George has recently left Fieldcraft and is currently enjoying uh, his hard-earned time off uh, with his family back home in North Carolina. Um, he's also just been accepted to partake uh, in the Honor Foundation, uh, which is an organization that helps special operations uh, veterans with their career transitions after the military uh, or after their military service. Anyways, um, George, thank you for your service, your time, and our um, friendship, mate, and um, much love to you and your family, brother. Cheers. All right, I've got George Bell here all the way from uh, North Carolina. George, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Oh, man. Thanks for having me, man. This is great. It's been a, a couple, a few months in the making now. I think um, I emailed you originally when you were still at Fieldcraft. And then uh, towards the end uh, of your time at Fieldcraft, you hurt your foot as well. Um, you had a surgery, uh, had the big move. So, like, we finally gotten around to, um, to doing this yeah. in the new year, which is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I had. Uh... I had some planters working ball on my foot. I had to get cut out. That's right. I'll tell yeah. you what, that is the worst pain I ever, I ever was in. Like it was terrible. I had to, I got it injected like twice, which, Oh, I just said, doc, just cut it out, man. Just put me under. And I got put under and everything. It was great. Like the best experience ever. Until, <laughs> like, recovery. I'm still feeling like, uh, I had this in August yeah, that's right. today. Like I did a little biking today and, it was hard. Like, it was starting to burn. You're like, oh, my God, is this over yet? So, What's the recovery? Like, is it just a lot of physio and that sort of thing? Or? It's just basically let it heal. Like, it's on the bottom, so it's like a scar tissue. And I think he yeah. had to go really deep. So a lot of the nerves and all that stuff. So it's like, I think it's regrowing. And just you get that burning sensation yeah. of, like, uh, well, it's it, And it's, like, it's on the bottom of your foot as well. And you're, you're a pretty, uh, like, pretty yeah, big like lad. Right now, you know what I mean? How, like, how, how tall are you, man? Like, Six three. Six three. Yeah, you're you're a big man. Like you know, putting all that weight on that foot, that's gonna be uh, <laughs> gonna be painful. Going on right now, you know what I mean? That, yeah. 
<laughs> oh man all right so um like I, we were chatting before this just talking the shit but um yeah so the way that we we structure the podcast is like i mentioned before just going through sort of chronologically i suppose um so yeah just you know in as much detail as possible tell me about like your your childhood your upbringing that sort of thing okay yeah um i was born and raised in stoneville ohio um it's basically it's on the ohio river like probably in the middle of the east side of the state um yeah we're east or i'm sorry yeah we're east of uh pittsburgh pennsylvania about 45 minutes away um blue collar town steel mill towns i mean you grew up with steel mills all down the uh the river um anywhere you want uh, a lot of gambling uh high school football was a real big in our area um we were famous for dean martin he was part of the rat pack <laughs> oh yeah, yeah um, nice we're, we're famous for the uh we're the city of murals. So we got all these murals everywhere downtown. And uh, this, you know, it, it used to be called Little Chicago back in the day. It was like full of like crime and gambling and prostitutes and all that stuff. There's a book written on it. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, man, there's there's nothing like going back home and, you know, seeing friends, seeing family and going to all the cool places you eat. Like the pizza in the Ohio Valley is amazing. If you ever come to the Ohio Valley, get the pizza. Done. Uh, it's amazing. Good stuff. <laughs> That's but awesome. I, I, Grew up blue collar. My mom and dad, my mom was like a nurse's assistant. My dad was a construction laborers union for 37 years. Um, my mom just retired like about a year ago and uh, just a, a nice humble upbringing, nothing crazy. We weren't rich. We weren't, you know, we weren't wealthy, but we were, we were, we had love. We, we had a great family. We did our, they did what we had to do. You know what I mean? So it was a great, great. I mean, I had a great upbringing, up, great upbringing, a lot of core memories, you know, just, good stuff that you learn from in your when you grow up so. any uh siblings in that i have a younger brother he's about he's two years younger than me he lives up in uh hilliard ohio outside of columbus okay nice nice uh, you know doing real good for himself so yeah awesome and and what like what was happening around the world at that time like do you remember uh much about what like you know popular culture and all that sort of stuff yeah i mean that was like 90 you know 90 in the 90s that's like you know it was big like wu-tang clan would come through oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i met old dirty bastard at the convenience store we had open lunches so we could leave campus and go down to like a convenience store and it, they had like a hot bar where you buy like chicken wings hojos and all the all the good like let's get lunch in and yeah, take yeah. a nap <laughs> nice one uh, me and my buddy uh aaron dobson we were we were sitting in uh we were getting chicken wings and older bastard comes in. He's like, oh, and we got our chicken wings, and we we had them. And we look up, and older bastard goes, he goes, uh, he goes, damn, was some good looking chicken wings. I was like, uh huh, <laughs> bastard. You know, it was so cool. Like they would come through, and you'd see them every once in a while. But you know, we had like that culture, like the the hip hop culture in Stoneville. I mean, it was huge. You know, like you know, I was. I remember when Tupac got killed, I was going to a, a high school football game. It was on the news. I was like, oh, my God, crazy. Yeah, you know? well. Just all those things that happened, like the riots happened, uh, the L.A. riots after the uh, Rodney King stuff. I mean, you get yeah. to see that on TV. Um, damn, what else was there? It's almost like a, um, like history repeating itself in a bit. Like, you know, recently, obviously, the last few years or so in the U.S. It's just a different, just a different time, same yeah. thing, different. Um, you know and were you uh were you playing sports or uh, anything like that in school you mentioned no, football but i play i grew up playing sports i grew up playing baseball basketball football um nice lots of teamwork sort of stuff. yeah i stopped playing sports in fresh i'm a freshman year of high school i just i mean honestly looking back on it now it's just 
I didn't have the self-confidence. I didn't, I wasn't as big as I was. I was a smaller guy until I got to college and I, you know, I started lifting weights and everything, but yeah, never had the uh, self-confidence to like keep playing sports and keep going. I always felt, you know, it was just weird, you know I mean? It was yeah, just yeah. So, but uh, once I got in, yeah, I joined the army in 90, 98. And then uh, I went in right as a SOP soldier. Um, so that was a really, I mean, I did tw- over 20, uh, 20 years and some months. Um, and throughout that time there, I mean, I've, I've gone to Thailand, I've gone to Korea twice, uh, you know, uh, Afghanistan, obviously, Libya, Italy, Germany. I got to live in Germany for three years, which was yeah. an amazing experience. And, uh, and just all the things I got to do and all the people that you meet along the way is what really makes your career. Um, honestly, if I had to be in, I think, like when I joined the military, I was like, I was like, yo, I want to get like, just send me. I want to go like today. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. gonna go out of bags plane. packed, ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I want to jump out of planes. I wanted to be in the like, just in the army. And I had yeah. no, like, I was what 19 years old. Dropped out. I dropped out of college. Like, it wasn't working for me. Yeah. But I was like, I think I could do the army. And I was 19. I knew nothing about the structure the you know the job the MOS you know you're you're just an idiot did, an did idiot. you have any family influence or anything like any any family members in the military or uh, friends that, that had gone dad's dad was in the marines okay yeah I had an uncle that was in the air force but I didn't even know he was in the air force yeah uh, yeah okay yeah he went into the air force I didn't even know he was in the air force so I didn't really have any uh, influences I just had like experiences when I was a kid like playing army in the woods and that was about yeah. it yeah. And then watching Platoon, like, there was no, like, Black Hawk down because it didn't happen yet. Yeah. Yeah, 98. Oh, no, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. The movie didn't come out yet. Yeah. Yeah. So the popular yeah, culture wasn't there yet. Yeah. Yeah. The movie wasn't out. So yeah. we, as a kid, I didn't have all these, like, cool movies with all these, like, special forces, rangers, seals. Yeah. You know, we had what? And Charlie Sheen, uh, Navy yeah, Seals, maybe? Platoon. Yeah. Platoon, Navy Seals. Like full jacket, but it wasn't really. Yeah. It was older. It was Vietnam. You know exactly. I mean? so yeah. Yeah. I had really no clue about like how the army worked out. So once the recruiter, they were like, "What do you want to do?" I was like, "Oh, I want to be airborne. I want to jump out of planes. I want to, you know, do all this." He's like, "Well," and I said, "I want to leave in like two weeks." He said, "Well, I can't. We, do, I can't do that. I can. You, we can." No, I said I wanted to leave next year in '99 because I I didn't know and I didn't know they had like a their their. Uh, their year starts in October, like fiscal year, you know what I right, mean? Right, okay, yeah. So they were like, well, we can get you out here in two weeks, <laughs> and it's this job. It's psychological operations. I said, oh, okay, what does it do? And then they read me the thing, and they said, airborne. I was like, okay, let's go. I'll yeah, do it. <laughs> so, sold. That's how I picked it. There was no, like, like college. Like, you know, in college, you're like, what is your major going to be? I, I didn't yeah. know what my job was. I just wanted to get in, get my foot in the door. And yeah. uh, turns out I've stayed in that job my whole career and i don't regret one day of uh of not like if i could switch my mos i could have went sf yeah then all these little things like a, be a pilot warrant officer and i just it was uh, it may have been laziness or whatever but i just think i was just having such a good time being in psyop and going on these missions and yeah. and trips like i was in like 14 or 15 years before i got one of those like really good tdy trips where you get like per diem every day and you get like 135 off every day off the top you know what i mean and your room and shit's already paid for so all that basically is it just if you were good with money 
cash in the pocket yeah just in the bank every day you know we'll go we'll go into um like more into what psyops is because i don't think a lot of like a lot of people when they when they hear like military stuff it's one the navy seals the green berets you know like that that sort of said jarhead the marines and stuff so what what um what what is psyops psychological operations is basically and it's basically taking an audience like a target audience that you want to influence and then you go and do this seven-step side process to where you develop a series or you develop products, radio, broadcasts, TV shows, anything like multimedia, you know? Yeah. But you develop your messaging to influence that, that target audience that you're, that, you know, you, you planned for, you executed, or you, you know, you did all the work, you did all the cultural analysis, you did target audience analysis, yeah. you know, it's, it's marketing. Okay. You really, the bare bones of it is marketing and advertising because yeah. you're trying to influence a certain, uh, you're trying to influence a certain target audience to do a behavior. Yeah. So if I'm out and we're doing UW, for example, on conventional warfare, I would be out there trying to recruit, whatever the mission is, like to recruit, uh, recruit people to come in to our guerrilla unit or, you know, to recruit people that can help us with supplies that can, you know, and things like that any part of the underground things like that uh, yeah so you're just and that's what you're doing or if you're doing uh targets you know you're leaving leaving stuff behind um or a lot of times you're you know you're you're working with the civil affairs to wearing med caps to where you're just gathering information on people i mean you're asking yeah. them questions and you're out here and you're and then you're broadcasting information so people can get fed they can get you know their meds they can get find out where they can turn caches in at so it's a lot it's just information okay. yeah that so, sounds pretty uh like broad spectrum like it sounds really broad yeah and it, it sounds um super interesting because like you're doing a lot of the stuff that like i would imagine like the sf sort of like especially so when when i say sf i mean like the green berets uh for those mm -hmm. of you listening without you know any knowledge of military jargon but there's you know they do obviously the fid the u-dub coin all that sort of stuff and within yes. that all of its you know hearts and minds really like just to get on board with yeah. you know and yeah, and we're a support element. We're we're not this like main. We're a force provider. You know yeah. what I mean? The TSOC request, hey, we need you know such and such psyop support, and boom, we provide that support to that unit. So yeah. we come with authorities. We come with. I mean, we you know we have authorities that we have to go through. We have certain equipment that we use, and you know a lot of it is, uh, you know. It, we we need to be there. If, if you're not having, if you don't have SIP in your plan, yeah, it's all about information. We're no one's trying to be the you know the the lead like the king dick in the room. It's like dude, we just want to play. We want to yeah. get in there. And, but a lot of times though, in SIP, depending on where you're you're at and you, and your authorities to operate in the area, it's just sometimes it's just not. It's just take it's observing like it's just not. At, we could be doing if we were allowed to do real SIP without all these uh, legal uh, lawyers and all that stuff, we would really crush it. I mean, I yeah. really think if, if we could really do real psyop, I think we'd be very effective in what we do, but sometimes it's just. Yeah, I, I wanna go into that in a, in a little bit, but I just wanna, um, because of what's happening, you know, sort of in, in the current sort of climate of the world where information is so critical, but there's so much misinformation out there as well. Um, but right. just, just taking it back, so you joined 98, so um, what was like, you know, what was the world like, or especially since you were in the military before 9-11, like 
what was September 10th like for you? What was September 11th like for you? And then what was September 12th like for you? Like if you can just, you know, go so, back to those uh, emotions or whatever. Um, well, not August 1st, whatever you think it is, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I was in PLDC at the time in, in, in September or August, September timeframe of 2001. Wait, what's that uh, PLDC, sorry? PLDC is a uh, primary leadership development course. It's basically okay. like to be a sergeant, you had to like get that. Yeah. Course. Okay. Gotcha. So I think September 11th was on a Tuesday that year. So we graduated Thursday or Friday, I think it was, and it was a four day weekend. Right. So we had, you know, Friday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Monday off, and we had back to work on Tuesday. So I just graduated brand new, you know, go enjoy your time, come back. So we come back to work September 11th in the morning of the day, like we had to do PT at this, uh, at the polo field, it was called. It was this big open field, the big track around it. You you run twice around it. It's like you know two miles, two and a half times, whatever it was. Yeah. We were there doing PT that morning, and they were like Sergeant Bell. Uh, you know, for PT formation, you could to stretch them out. You had to like open the ranks and then maneuver them so everyone has enough room to do stretching and, and warm ups, right? Right. So I got out there, and I was like, we did this for like a week in PLDC. You know what I mean? Like I don't remember this. Uh, you know, I, I figured out. I got through it. But I remember just in the morning, like, God, I was so embarrassed, you know, because I messed up one command and everyone got all pissed off. They're like, you just graduated. It's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, so we do the PT and I'm like, damn, I'll never do that again. So we get back to the office and all of a sudden TV's on and there's planes flying in these buildings. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? So that was September 11th for me. And then for some, the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, until we left it was just at work at work planning getting ready preparing packing getting everything ready and then once we had our shit done we we called well we we left and we went down to uh fort bending to 75th ranger regiment where we linked up with them down there so we stayed there for another two weeks a week and a half two weeks i think it was yeah. so and then they were just getting ready to go so we were doing our uh found out i was we were jumping in um to afghanistan on october 19th so we were preparing, um, like we did all, you know, rehearsals, training, getting everything ready, making sure everybody was on the same page, going to the yeah. range, going to, you know, all this stuff. So we get on the plane. It was a civilian plane. It picked us up at 75th down there at the uh, airfield down in, on, at Fort Benning. And we flew into Oman and hung out there for like, a, I think like a, maybe a couple, three weeks. And then we did Jumped in Afghanistan one night, came back, and then that's all she wrote. I mean, we, yeah. we stayed there for a little bit more, and then we came back, and then I was out. 20 days later, I was back in Afghanistan with me and another guy. So, um, yeah, after September 11th happened, my, it was just non – it was always something going on. You know what yeah. I mean? That's constant. I mean, 20 years of that war, it's just unbelievable to me. Just yeah. To know that I was there four times, and – and then now I'm like retired three years after being retired, still on the news. You know what I mean? You're still, you've still seen it until the last, until the whole fiasco of uh, getting everybody out happened. But you don't yeah. hear about it anymore. Like there's no, it's just the shiny ball. And, you know, it's just it's like not, that classic uh, news cycle, isn't it? Like it was, it was, it was fun to talk about for two and a half weeks. And then uh, we're on yeah, to the next thing. And, you know, everybody got all upset. Like all the veterans were just all upset because you know, I mean, obviously I was upset as myself. Yeah. Once once the, the there was a bombing at the front gate, 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, once we have more dudes dying for no reason, it's like, come the fuck on. Yeah. Like, guy, that had, there was a there was a guy who got killed that was in my old detachment. That's you crazy, know what I mean. Man. Like, we were the first. It was it was kind of cool. Like, I'm kind of proud of this moment. Like, there was four SOP guys that jumped in this to, like to Afghanistan, kind of, and then there was after there was the same detachment was there the last day. So right. It was yeah. Like, we started it and we finished it within the SOP. Yeah, like first in, last out sort of thing. Yeah, so it was kind of cool to see that. And uh, but other than that, man, it was a. I had a great career. I mean, I I, I cannot. I don't regret anything. You know, what I mean, I, I've I've been in different countries, met different people, um, done a lot of cool things, and and I'm still alive. So I mean, that's even more yeah. better to celebrate. I, I think I think it's pretty cool as well because like um, unlike you know all the other sort of different um, uh, MOSs or you know, job types like you're out there actually meeting locals and sort of ha having a feel of like the pulse of the nation and all that sort of stuff. So it's like, you, you know, the, the age old, uh, travel the world, see the world sort of thing, but no one actually really gets to see the world because you're stuck on a base or you're stuck, you know, doing yeah. whatever you're doing. But, but for you guys, you're like out there and, um, and, and oftentimes in like civilian clothing as well, like out, out and about, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Especially when, if we were doing like a, just depending on the mission, I mean, if we were doing like an embassy mission, you were, suit and tie business casual every day and yeah kind of just i mean you're not blending in anywhere where yeah. i go I'm, you know, I six foot three in southeast asia is a pretty big lad well, hey, <laughs> on my face and i can say please and thank you and yeah and, and i hold the door for people and, and it gets you places you oh man I mean? for sure yeah for yeah. sure i um yeah so the some of the places you went to so i mean obviously in the last 20 odd years the focus has really been Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, bits and pieces in Africa. Uh, you get a bit of, you know, the Philippines and stuff, Indonesia. But you've been to some pretty, yeah, I, pretty I, awesome you know, places. I got the ability. Oh, yeah. I had the ability. I was in uh, South Africa for three years as a site planner. And while I was there, I got to go to Libya for six months. I got to go to, uh, I got to help out with the Ugandan, like the uh, counter LRA, the uh, counter the Lord's Lord Lord's resistance on me, yeah. All that stuff. So I got to like help out with that a little bit, and nice. and to see that culture down there in in, in uh, Uganda, which was it was fun. I mean, it, it was it was a great experience. I mean, I was a white dude in there in a in, in a sea of Africans, and it was just like you stuck out with a sore thumb, but <laughs> no one cared. No one was yeah. like no one was like screaming at you, telling you to get out of their country or anything like that, or go back to where you came from. Yeah, <laughs> it was. But a little less uh, divisive than, than what it is yeah. like now in, in your own sort of in your own country sometimes like um what, yeah, you, you said Li yeah you said libya was that with um was that where you met mike originally from, uh, so mike lover from fieldcraft yeah we um we met in libya in damn when was that 2013 i think it was or no 2011 okay no? i don't know whenever the the they uh the, they attacked the embassy or whatever yeah, the, so the, thir the 13 hours. Um, 2011. Okay. My yeah. brain doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> it's a 20-plus year career, man. I'll, I'll, I'll allow that. <laughs> I went in three days after that down to Tripoli, and then there was another team there, and then uh, Mike and his, uh, like, fraction of his ODA came through, and and we just started started getting uh, – just starting to get to know each other, and, and we became friends, and then we – like he like he let me train their mobility to tap their section in there so it was it was a it was a cool setup the way it was in libya it was but it was like uh it was like the wild west sometimes so man just you never really knew what you were going to get into when you left the compound yeah uh it was just 
wild time. I mean, you see, you saw a lot of, you saw a lot of suffering from people, but at the same time, it's like, I can't really, like, what you want me to do about it? I mean, yeah. you know, I'm here for one reason and that was to, you know, do my job and that is not my job. So you made, you see a lot like during your career. I mean, like you said, like, I'm pretty sure in, in the, being a police officer, you've seen some just sad stuff that it's just like, yeah, you, you can't affect change everywhere you go. And um, like at the end of the day, you are only human and, and you know, you, you're there for a job purpose or a task, whatever it is. What, what was the goal yeah. for the, um, the, you know, post embassy attack in, in Libya? Um, like what were you guys doing there? So what they did, we, uh, they, they had these villas where that everyone stayed, like where everybody lived. And then the, um, the, the embassy was down off site. Okay. So once I think once the, uh, uh, once they got, once business Benghazi came down, they all fell back in Tripoli back to the villa. So yeah. everybody was working out of the villa. So uh, the, everything was changed. Everything was, you know, rearranged. And so everything was on one compound, which was, honestly it didn't make a difference because it was just we were there and i i didn't know any difference yeah. so when i showed up everybody was working there and just going so it, it it was comfortable to me and yeah. uh but yeah it was still like all the heightened security was up they sure. had all the militia was around like blocking roads at the airport yeah things like that but you got through it because you were like yeah we're in america we had a little card and and then the guys we were working with um one of the the commander was a like an elder in this zentan militia and okay. uh he gave us like a little card i think we had a card and his name was on there and we yeah were like, that, that carried a bit of weight then you know what we're doing we're not messing around we're just trying to help out you know yeah so, yeah. yeah nice but you know, just like anything you're in a foreign country officials are going to look people are going to complain about stuff coming in like supplies we had med supplies come in and it was like the huge thing and like right come on man it's just yeah, it's, it's just, a, that's all just life-saving stuff yeah yeah so that was cool though it was a good experience and then um was it was it after that that you uh had your uh, ukraine um deployment yeah so i went back i was in south africa that mission i was i was having the pcs back so i had to leave and come back and uh and then we moved back to the states and when i got back to the states i uh went to uh six site battalion and i think it was 2014 um i just i was at i just failed jump master school for yeah. a second time and i was just not in a good mood but then uh my first round was like yeah Yo, you want to go to ukraine you know because i and i already volunteered back in like when ukraine kicked off like during the Maidan riot and everything i was yeah. like Yo, me if we got to go i'll go right now yeah and then so I got the opportunity to go and I had a team I had was myself, a captain, I had a staff sergeant uh, who she was another SOP person and I had uh, another SOP guy. So I had uh, 237 Foxes, which is the MOS. That's the uh, nomenclature for it. Okay, yeah. I had me, captain, two SOP, two SOP NCOs and I had two uh, 25 Mike and 25 Mike was a graphic illustrator. So they're the ones that could help me with products. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. You know, so do all that stuff. So we went in, we, we flew into Ukraine and we flew in at night. We landed like around 11 or 10 or 11, I think. And driving from the, the, um, the airport was outside the city, like, you know, like out, you had to drive me like 45 minutes to an hour to the main city. Yeah. But as you get into the city, you're driving, you're seeing all the lights. It's like, oh, this is nice. And all of a sudden you have to make a left turn to go up to the, 
to the apartment. Yeah. And it's barbed wire, tires, <laughs> 10 feet high, like barriers. Reservation. And you're like, what the hell? So they had like this big square shut down with all the militias from around each uh, region came through and they had set up tents. And right. we, we got to our apartment and we got up to the next morning. We, we were allowed to walk around down there. It was like, it was because they were like selling stuff. They were on stage doing like concerts and propaganda and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. And, but it was so, it was disgusting. It was toilet, like the Porter Johns were just filled with <laughs> shit, everything. Like shit was burned up. And it was, it was kind of, it was out of the movie, but yeah. they started cleaning it up as we were there. After six months, it was mostly all cleared out. Okay. Um, remember, you know, the uh, Klitschkoffs? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, the boxer. The boxers, yeah, the, the, the brothers. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and they had this whole, um, day where they like cleaned up like they just had the bulldozers and shovels and they just got all the junk and trash out of the square and opened it up yeah and i'll tell you what man it was a beautiful sight to see that square finally opened up and you could actually drive through it and around and nice you could see like wow this is ukraine right here that that thing right there that wasn't ukraine that was them fighting for their for their ukraine you know yeah what I mean? yeah but this, the country's beautiful like it's an amazing country a lot of like rural farms like we would take these uh these little trips to these like little areas and they would have like all the old like ways like the windmills and just all the old ways and they would have these big like flea markets that people were selling all their like goods yeah. and stuff like that so it was, it was cool we were there like we didn't have any like anything crazy going on in, in Kiev because we weren't allowed to go out out east to where all the Russian aggression is at yeah so, yeah which is yeah. kind of happening now as well I suppose like exactly so and they were doing the same stuff there at when we were this was 2014 yeah they were doing the same stuff there but not as it's being portrayed on tv today okay. like not we didn't have a threat of i don't think that a threat of uh invasion yeah but there was always talk of it so everybody got like scared that posturing um, sort of but now i think it's more i don't it's that posture he's gotten it's, I, I think he's just playing a game it feels like but he's <laughs> very resourceful they have a lot of like you know resources in there that you could use i was gonna say so what's like for you know like i mentioned before like during you know the last 20 years everyone's kind of forgotten about other parts of the world and so focus on afghan and I was iraq there, we had uh can you hear me yeah i can hear you what, what what's the um like what what's the importance of ukraine and like why is it such a valuable thing that you you, you risk going to I war think, over i think they have, a, they have a lot of minerals um, they have, and then we were there, we were doing a lot of uh, natural gas stuff because they were like, cutting, I think they had, I forget what it was, but I think they had this supply of natural gas and they were cutting okay. it off, cutting it on. We were doing like um, sanctions on and stuff like that. So people were really cold in the wintertime because they weren't, they weren't getting like the heat. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think a lot of minerals are there and I just think he wants that power, man. It's just more land and it's more resources for him. So, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it sucks. I don't, you know, just like remember Crimea, he took Crimea like it was nothing. He took Crimea, I think we were there. Yeah, I don't you know, know, no one better than I. Like, you know, he doesn't doesn't care. He did it. Yeah, and they did it so smooth. Like they just yeah. came in. It was like nothing to see here. And, and so, like on, uh, you know, we were talking before about like uh, what you guys did was basically like information gathering and then dissemination of information as well. Um, yeah. You know, the, these days where you have social media, you have uh, the mainstream media, you have, you know, individuals, you, you, everyone has information coming out of their eyeballs, but it's almost impossible. Like it's right. really hard to dis 
like disseminate the the real news, the real facts from you know just the shit basically. What um what what's adapted for you guys? Like, have have you had to change your methods up? Uh, you, you know that you remember at least when when you're in to sort of combat the modern times of, of uh, social media and that. Well, it was hard to because we didn't have the authorities to, to mess around on internet gotcha. and, and Facebook. So what we had to do was we had to you know create our our uh, we had to create our products and everything with a with a partner with yeah. an attribution on it. Okay. We hooked up with this um, Ukraine Crisis Media Center when we were there, and it, they were working through like the PAO. They had a good relationship with the PAO at the embassy. So what's we were working through was the PAO, and we had this. You know, we we started out small. We had a couple a couple network like a couple people that we could talk to to get stuff done. But then once we got in this Ukraine Crisis Media Center, we started meeting all these people. They had marketing people, and they had lawyers, they had like newscasters, they had all right. this. It was like a conglomerate of like information and they were able they were able to like help out on the east side with dissemination and, and getting stuff out but when we came in we had another uh we had another you know another pot of money that we could use so we yeah. were there to we were there to support the election that was the first that was the mission that we were there for support yeah. the upcoming election and uh so we were making like support the election here's the vote go out and vote blah 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 blah. Gotcha. So we had billboards up we had posters leaflets you know radios uh spots and we were getting some good feedback through um you know we had a a, a, per, a, a people that were handing out our uh, posters or whatever got attacked and they got their posters taken away their cell phones were stolen okay. and it was because the um the uh, aggressors, you know, the, the the Russian aggression people, they just weren't having it, and they just took our stuff. So it was a good like feedback. I mean, I feel bad for the people that got beat up, but at the yeah. same time, it showed like we were having a little bit of impact, a little bit of influence on how the information was getting out. So I, yeah. you know, I as a win-win, and then you know, as as we were there, and as the elections came and went, we um, we were just doing uh, products on like police like uh recruiting for the police force recruiting for the military we did right. these like dossiers I, I had a great uh i had a great team i mean there were some very talented people we made up these like dossiers on these russian oligarchs and how these russian commanders and how you know they all the bad things they did and it made like it made the tv it made the news station they had it up on the news like you know they showed <laughs> that's the, awesome thing. so it was like you know we were we were we were getting there. We were, the first, we were the first team in the country, so we had nothing to really go off of. I mean, yeah. we had to we had to create this network where we would, you know, our main person, our main our main people were at the current Ukraine Crisis Media Center because we used this marketing people that for products, and we got in with them really well. And they would bring people back from the east to sit down and talk with us about like what was going on, what could we do, what messaging, yeah, planning, you know. So it was just cool being a part of that and building that network so that when the next team came through in six months, they had something they could just go right, you know, step right in and, and go yeah. for it. But yeah, it's funny inside. Every time that a new team comes in, sometimes they change the whole game and they start reinventing the wheel sometimes. So a lot of it, you know, a lot of the work you do, it gets just tossed aside. But at the same time, it's like nothing I can really do about that because yeah, I'm not there, man. Like once I get back, I think some people don't realize. Like once you get back from a mission, I don't have the like, 
why do I want to put effort into something? It's not my mission no more. Yeah, you're on the next thing. Yeah. Yeah, you get the next thing and you hear stories about people and just. Did you feel like sometimes, um, you know, you're saying if, if you had, if you guys had the ability to sort of do what you wanted without so much oversight, or if you want to call it like a, like a ROE really for psyops, um, you'd, you'd achieve and, and be able to achieve so much more. Did you feel sometimes that you were working like with one hand tied behind your back? Because you look at countries like Russia and China um, and they, you know, they control everything. They control every bit of narrative in their countries um, and they have so much influence. Like, you know, an example is, is even with the younger generations where like if you're under the age of a camera exactly like 12 or something, you can't be on your phones and social media between certain hours at night. Um, it's just, you know, a, a, a complete ban. Whereas, you know, in, in other Western countries, you're constantly on, you're flicking through social media, getting influenced by all sorts of things. Um, yeah. Did you, did you feel sometimes that you were working with like your hands tied behind your back? Oh yeah. That was like all the time. It really was, yeah. you, you know, <laughs> like you had Facebook, you had Instagram and we were, you know, when we were, we could get on Facebook and look at all this stuff, but we couldn't do anything. We couldn't interact yeah. on the internet and do this so it had to be it'd have to it would have to come down from the uh pao to re release it on their on their page and then yeah. you try to get these other entities to put it on their page but then some of them were like well i don't know if he should post this it's a little i don't want my my page to get like attacked or something like right that. so it was it was a lot of like walking on eggshells and yeah trying to like say hey man can you please help us out you know but it, in the end we, we got stuff on there and you know we did it so made a difference it's yeah, not yeah hard but it's just just made it difficult because you can't go in there and i can't go in there and create a, a fake page a bot and or whatever and interacting yeah. with all these russian aggressors or these yeah, yeah i couldn't do it like i'm not we're not allowed you know so yeah yeah okay so, and what's your, what's your take with Ukraine now? Like, where do you think it's, it's going to go? Or like, are you paying attention to it because you were there or is it just kind of, it's off in the distance? And uh, no, I'm not, It's to me, it's, it's just, I feel it's just one of those things where he's just doing this just to like, let's, you know, like to get people to like react, you know, like what, what do we do? We sent like what, three to 5,000 troops over, you know, yeah. we've done this, done that, you know, he said, we're not going to be going in, which I, I'll, I honestly, Think we're not going to involvement if it does if there is an invasion. Uh, yeah. So I don't even know how that would look at the, like. So he invades. That's like I mean it's 2022 right now. Like, we're not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if people were ready for that. Yeah. I, I've I've, I've <laughs> like just you know, you, know what I mean? like, you sort of spitball with your friends like, and stuff, and I'm like I don't know what's like you, you go through all these different scenarios in your head, and I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> nothing is like i don't see anything good happening like yeah you invade a country you're gonna dude, it's gonna be all out pandemonium like you're you're not it's not gonna be peaceful yeah yeah so i mean meanwhile we're all worried about obviously covid and stuff um that you know it's it's kind of a good time really for him to everyone's distracted with one thing the economy is decimated in a lot of places good time to move i suppose but but you know what's going to happen, though. They're going to do the same thing they did in Crimea. You know, they're going to do, you know, cyber warfare. They're going to do, you yeah. know, infrastructure warfare. You know, they're going to get in and, and shut down electricity. They're going to shut down the internet, shut down the phones. So yeah. you're not going to know what's going on. They're going to shut down communication. So you don't, you don't have any communication. Yeah. You know, they might even have to fire one shot. You know what I mean? Just to take over. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty you know I mean? slick the, the way it was done last time. So, 
Um, yeah, so I, I think that's going to happen. I don't wh- where was your uh, your last deployment? Oh, my last deployment was to uh, my like six month deployment. I was in uh, I was in Germany. I was I was with Sockier uh, Special Operations Special Operations Command in Europe, and I was uh, stationed at uh, we were in like outside of Stuttgart, Germany. Okay, yeah. Uh, so we would go in, and we had teams in Poland and all over, you know, Eastern Europe, and we were just kind of like the the headquarters for them, you know, to get like information and we'd brief Yukon what's going on. So uh so we were stuck in Germany, but I got to go to uh this uh Trident Juncture exercise where okay. for NATO. And it was cool. It was like a two-week exercise and the Germans were running it and uh I was I was uh attached to the German psyop unit there. So we had the German psyop unit, we had some uh two Canadian dudes, they were amazing. Uh and then we had some pull up uh some uh uh, Polish uh, SOP guys, and we had a couple Spaniards. So it was a good like mix of people for two nice. weeks, and uh, it was one of those things. It just you go to this exercise for two weeks, you stay in a tent, um, you go to meetings. You, it, it wasn't yeah. really you were more of a planning cell than a reactionary cell. So yeah, yeah, uh, a lot of just learning, like, learning off each other sort of thing. Stuff, computer, and just boring. Yeah, yeah. And what was your decision to to leave the military to retire? Uh, so I, I was uh, I was in my last three years, and I got to when I got back from Germany, I I, I got over to the operational, or I'm sorry, the uh, operational design course. I was there for three years as an instructor, and and I knew when my three years were up, I was going to go back down to the line unit and get deployed again. So I was right. hitting my 20 year mark, and I was like, yo, I'm not, I'm done leaving my family. Like I'm trying to start a new. Like I got I got remarried. Um, I got my wife pregnant, like, yeah, you know, I have a three-year-old son and it's just, I wasn't going to put my new wife through the military again. Like I didn't, yeah. I was, I mean, I just done, like I couldn't, people were great, but just the way it was, the way the army was developing their, you know, the way ahead and seeing everything. It's like, I'm good. Yeah. So I'm yeah. Tired. Done you 20 years and yeah, check out. Oh, I got 20 and I was done. Like my ultimate goal was 30, no shit. But yeah. man, I got to 20 and I was like, I can't do this it, for another 10 years. In PSYOPs is like, cause you're so tied up with, or tied into, you know, there's a lot of law and legislation and stuff tied into it. Like, is it really politicized as well? Like, like, um, is it heavily really influenced? Cool. Is it uh, really politicized? Like heavily influenced by the politics at the time? Of- oh, yeah. yeah, you have to like, you know, you have like, when you do a series or something like when you want to make products, you got to put them all together. So you got you have a budget, and yeah. then you have to go through how much energy is going to cost, and then you send that up. And it, and sometimes you had money, sometimes you didn't. And then when you did, you got you know you got your money, you started developing your products, you see your series taking taking shape. Yeah, and then you start doing these reports back up to DC so that you can get more money to show like, hey, these are impact indicators, these are measures of effectiveness. You know, all these things that you had to put in these little reports, and they were like probably like a, a, a two like an inch by inch box right. you know, two inch box and you had to like type in your stuff yeah and then, it, and then it gets sent back up to dc to get you know analyzed by congress and then and then you have you know whoever represents that up there has to fight for money and, and try to get us money but but it was a struggle sometimes getting like these trying to get these uh series going it's like you it's like well we can go and spend all this money on this dumb shit <laughs> 
Like we can we can go to Africa, put in a three million dollar range, and then just next year just tear it up. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. But I can't get two hundred k to do a series for six or seven months. Yeah, or or like, leave you know billions of dollars worth of equipment in Afghanistan, and you know, like yeah, right. <laughs> so <laughs> who knows? Yeah, who knows? I just. Um, it, it, and and what was the transition out like for you? Was it a was was it a difficult one or like you know a lot of um, vets when they talk about leaving the military, obviously. Yeah, so I kind of put my eggs in all in one basket, and uh, I, I linked up with Mike at Fieldcraft, and I got offered a job there. So nice. I was like, well, this is it. You know, let's we're gonna move uh, out. We're gonna leave Faven. We're gonna drive out to Prescott, Arizona. And we're gonna set up shop, and and then we're gonna you know. This is it. We're gonna. I'm gonna work on field crop survival. That's yeah. it. What we're doing. So we get out there, drive. Crop. My wife seven months pregnant at the time. We, you know, load the car up. We had the, the military uh, on your last. Like when you get out, they, they give you one more move. Like when okay. you leave. So yeah. I saved it for when I went to Prescott. So, the pack of the house, and we started driving to Prescott, Arizona. We got our press to start working, you know, start doing shipping and receiving. And, and then we had a guy that, that left. So I jumped up into the vice president role, which was, it was more of a, uh, what do they call it? It's more of a label than anything. It didn't really yeah. matter what you what you did there. I mean, you worked and everyone worked. It didn't matter yeah. what you're like. So it's a small business. It, like, well, I mean, it's, it's certainly yeah, it's growing at the moment. Like it's, it's oh, taken yeah, off no, it, rapidly. It's taken but... off. Honestly, it has. And, yeah. uh, you know, we started out there and it was maybe, Four people total. Four yeah, five yeah, yeah. I mean, two That's people incredible. saw two people, but honestly, it was you know you only had a limited number, and we were really grinding. It was fun. Like we were in it. Like we were doing like weekends, courses, traveling, and then we set up like stuff at the warehouse where people come in, and we was always doing content, podcasts, yeah. and just putting stuff out there, and it was great. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, man, I'm retired. You know, like. This is cool and all. I mean, I'll do it, but I'm gonna spend time with my family. Like, I'm not just like I'm not. I'm. I can't live no one. I can't live someone else's dream. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm all about work and everything. But in the end, you know, two years we were in Prescott, then we moved up to Utah. Moved to come to Utah. That's right. And I honestly think that Utah trip was just. I just couldn't. I don't know. I couldn't focus. I think I just fell out of place. And yeah. Um, it just wasn't working for me anymore. So I had the opportunity to move back to North Carolina to help Kevin out because he moved to Aberdeen. That's right. Yeah. So the whole, whole goal is for me to go up there and uh, and just make, I don't know just do what I do at in Utah, you know. Yeah. It just just it didn't work out, man. And I just I got back here and I tried to like two weeks there and I'd kind of it was like so what are you gonna do here? And I'm like uh, what you know. So I was like uh, they were trying to put me on part time and for me it just didn't work. It just yeah. Didn't, didn't. I came home. I said listen. I said I said to my wife. I said hey let's crush the numbers let me know um i think i'm done you know yeah yeah so she looked at the numbers she's like oh we're good go ahead you know yeah, you stand with the, I, I stayed home with my son and because we didn't have daycare until like january yeah so i stayed with my son i you know i told him hey it's not working out for me and, and it, honestly no hard feelings it's not i was an employee at the yeah. end in the end of it i'm an employee it's not my business i don't own any bit of it yeah um i saw that you know what was going on like i just wasn't for me anymore so i left i mean no hard feelings but i'm done yeah i just didn't want to anymore, so i mean like so I, i've been a um avid fan of like mike's work and fieldcraft and stuff for you know almost since the beginning i suppose um and that progression when i think when you started to where it is now like it's it just sort of went like 
exponential increase. Like you guys were pumping things out there, YouTube videos, Instagram, the courses, the product lines, the different segments like mobility to, um, you know, survival to the, the uh, tactical stuff. It was just, it was mind blowing. I was like, holy shit. These guys are like, just, just on the grind. Oh yeah. We were doing everything. So I could imagine like, yeah, for yourself, like that last move would have been, um, and bless your wife as well for that big drive, seven months pregnant down in Prescott and then coming back. I put so, it through it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's awesome. Like, you know, it, it's, it's cool that you, um, and I'm happy for you as well, because we, we, we've chatted a, a bit oh, off yeah. and on in the last maybe like year or so, but like, it's nice to hear that you're enjoying time with the family after, after all this time, you know, just doing stuff constantly. Yeah. So yeah. happy for no, you. It's, man. Cool. it's a good time. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for my family, like, you know, I, I wouldn't even be here right now. So yeah, exactly. It's just a nice day that my wife had my back and she was 100% supporting me in any decision. Yeah. It's also, so it's just great. And, um, and like now I'm, I'm going through this, uh, this thing called the honor foundation. Okay. And if you could find that the honor foundation.org, what it is, is like a transition, um, course for, uh, special operations soldiers. Um, and then, any combat support that we get so like signal battalion and stuff like that so they can make yeah. these weird transitions. so what it is is like they help you with like your why they give you your strengths and you go through all these workshops and you get coached and, and you develop your your why statement and you develop your you know you got to tell like a story time and like so tonight we have to do story time and in my situation is i've been out for three years yeah. everyone in the class they're transitioning like next year they're getting out some of them are out like within the last three months yeah so me i'm like a. it's like why are you here so you know i explain myself like hey this is what happened but it's a good reset for myself and i and i and you have to apply to get into this course okay so i applied i did everything i had to do and i had an interview on the phone with the directors and and i got in so it, it felt good you know I, I it's like well this is like a new beginning so nice, i'm man. going through the this course and they teach you, you know you do your resume again and, I, and i've done their resume in the past but it was through like the military like uh one stop like yeah yeah who, who didn't care and like, yeah i didn't care you know what i mean yeah. like, i just was like i had a job already but i had to go through this to meet the qualifications for, yeah. for retirement it was like one of the things you had to do check the ball sure um, so now i'm in this course now and i'll tell you what man it's great just the, the amount of knowledge and, and networks that are are shared with you and so tonight I have to tell my story and a lot of the people do not like talking about themselves at all. Yeah. And I, I don't like it either, but the last three years, like one of the other things that came out of Fieldcraft was, you know, I'm able to talk to anybody like right now, like I'm sitting here talking to you. Yeah, man. So tonight I'm the first one in the, in the hop where we have two days of this. I'm the first one, you get five minutes to tell your story and everyone goes over, but I got, I just got to tell my story and it's basically, I've been telling my story for the past three years and yeah, <laughs> you got it down pat now. <laughs> I can sit down and chill for two days. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's awesome, man. Hey, I want to suggest something. I think you should start a YouTube channel, man, with, uh, with the cooking stuff that insert uh, ingredient here was dope. Those, uh, those tacos, man. I know. And that was the beauty of having like a media guy and everything. Yeah. Like, it yeah. was nice. They and it was just, I don't know, it, I do want to, but it's just the time for me is just crazy. I'm trying to get this house. And then I just started this real estate course. Yeah, it's like yeah. 75 hours online. And to me, this is like a whole new world. Like I'm in my life, I'm 43 years old right now. 
yeah. in my life, I've never had a job interview, like a, a real legit, like <laughs> sit down in front of people job interview. Like, yeah. My last job interview when I was 16, when I was trying to interview to get a, a delivery job. That's not yeah. a real interview. So, like, drive, you know? Yeah. But I've never had a real job interview. Never had a real, like, had to submit my resume for anything. I never had to, you know. Yeah, it's, it's daunting. Kind of like, I, I just left the police and, like, yeah, same thing. Like, you know, out on Civvy Street now, yeah. like, job interviews, getting your CV up up to scratch and phone interviews, Zoom interviews. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's just nuts. Yeah. Um, no, all, Yo, if, I, I was, if it wasn't for the military and my retirement and stuff like that, I'd be like, I, honestly, all this would be changed. Like, I'd probably be down in Tampa working at like a contracting job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I need to get money, but I had a different situation and, and how it worked out. But if yeah. I didn't have a military retirement, like uh, disability, I could not be doing what I'm doing right now. I yeah. get somewhere, you know what I mean? No, so, well, it's, it, it, that's all um, all earned, the hard earned. Um, yeah, are you still, are you still hunting heaps? Because I know hunting was, that was a, was that, am I wrong to say that that was a big part of your um, upbringing as well? You used to hunt quite a bit with your family? Like, upbringing, yeah, like as a kid, hunting, fishing, yeah. everything. But I don't know what happened, man. Like I, uh, I joined the military and I, I kind of stopped doing it. You know what I yeah. mean? And, it, and, it, and I can't use the excuse. Oh, I was gone all the time and this and that. No, I had plenty of time where I didn't do anything. I yeah, had plenty yeah. of time, I had long time and stuff like that where I could easily got my hunting license, uh, found some land in North Carolina and did my research and went hunting, but I just didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, I, when I, I always went home and hunted in Ohio but I haven't been hunting in a long time. But this next deer season, I'll be up in Ohio doing during deer season. So, nice one, man. Yeah. Uh, this last, you know, everything happened. It was just not working out for me. I got depressed. Um, and then in December, my niece she passed away. So uh, it sorry, was just, yeah. you know, it, it's a it's it's weird because she was a special needs child, and uh, so just you know whatever you know it happened. It the Lord took her. The up to heaven you know what i mean so yeah. dealing like having to like go through that and, and see my family go through that that was like man that was tough man it was yeah. uh it was not fun to say the least like I, me i have a i try to you know have a very uplifting like nice personality but let's like, let's hang out let's joke let's have a good time so yeah i try to bring as much as i could when i went up to ohio for that just to make just make it just a little bit more easier for someone to deal with what's going on like we we made sure we came together as a family yeah we you know we all stayed me my me my wife my son and my two daughters all stayed with my brother and it was great because he has a son and just to have the cousins going around and, and playing and just being there for him like for sure yeah man it was that's it's, and it's still rough you know what i mean like losing a child is something that you can't you can't even think about you know yeah. what i mean so and that being my brother i look at him like man like he did it for i think she died as i think she was seven and uh but they were the best parent. Like he's like a role model to me, 100%, just to his ability to overcome like a situation like that. I mean, it's yeah. not normal. Yeah. And just to see that him and his wife and, and, and Brady, their son, how they just, and then how she brought love, everyone like just gravitated, like gravitated towards her. So she spread love everywhere. So it was just like, yeah. it just one of those things, man. It just, so December, I mean, it was, it's been a little couple rough little time yeah man but, yeah you know at the same time gotta get through it yeah well and and it's it's, it's it's so good that you you know you recognize a lot of a lot of 
I guess guys and gals would just sort of fob it off and be like, yeah, no, just, just move on. But it's good that you, you know, you all yeah, recognize no, to tough. band like, together and, um, you know, be there for each other, share the love. Totally. And um, I'm, I'm glad for you. I'm, I'm so happy that you're, you've got this time to sort of reset and that you're, uh, you, you get into the groove of things oh, again, yeah. but take, take some time out. That's all. It's always, it's always um, something you, you, you'll never regret taking a bit of time off. You know what I mean? Like, not at all. Like, it's been great. Like, you get new ideas. Like, I, I, I'm starting to I, – I collect World War II patches. And, nice. you know, well, I collect any patches that aren't, like, uh, newer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Vietnam, like, you have these units in Vietnam that would make those, like, morale patches and stuff like that. And they're I, – I just like collecting those things. I yeah. feel like when I see them in a box, I feel like, man, I, I, let me take you home. Let me put you in a good box. You know what I mean? Let yeah. me let look at you. I'll take you out. I'll look at you. So I had this idea – bouncing around and i think i've talked about it with other people but i want to take these patches and put them on hats and do nice. like just a, like you know like they have great artwork on them and the history behind it and try to make try to get as many authentic patches as i can yeah uh like world war ii style but if i can't then i'll just make sure that you know hey this is the unit's history stuff like that and yeah nice. get like five to ten dollars to like some wounded warrior or, yeah you know something like that like yeah. i might even give it to the foundation so they can keep transitioning uh you know, yeah. special keep, keep doing what they're doing so. i mean I, the, the one that i can think of from yeah, vietnam off the top of my head is, is the uh mac v sog uh, uh patch and that's a pretty badass looking patch of that bright red yellow and uh i think it's got like a skull on it they, they make some pretty dope patches don't they back back in the day so i've found I found a bunch of like old uh, Vietnam like Green Beret patches, but I gave him the mic, so he has those. <laughs> but I found uh, uh, some cooler ones uh, that I found, and um, I had a I almost had my hands on a uh, one of those Ranger, the Ranger uh, diamonds with the Ranger in the blue background. Oh yeah, like, yeah. like World War Two, but yeah, why? The guy he wanted to sell me all of his patches, and it was just not i couldn't do it it was yeah. just too much money yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough I got, a nice little, I got a nice little collection i'm, I'm getting out and we'll, we'll see sweet you know, man side hustle, so. and where, where can uh people like you know re, are you still on social media much or are you just sort of taking oh, a backseat oh, from that as well yeah i'm on uh i like instagram but i yeah for some reason social media is interesting to me the way people act on it the way what people post because you see some people you're like i know this guy he that's not what he's not like that but yeah. hey you do you you know yeah, i don't yeah. care what you post so i like posting it. and plus my my friends and my family can see like the kids and, and what yeah. i've been doing it's a fun dude man it's like posting funny things like exactly dude yeah don't take yourself too seriously i don't take social media serious at all like people are so serious on it. it's like shut up like stop. <laughs> you're so worried about this political like race sexual bullshit it's like you're, you're you're not seeing what's right in front of you it's just life man just chill everybody wants to have a good time that's it why not you know that's like like this podcast like everyone's like oh you know how are you gonna monetize for you're gonna have ads you're gonna do this you get sponsored like you know i'm just gonna talk to some pretty cool people and uh hopefully we have some yeah. cool things in common shoot the shit and uh you know enjoy it um and why not I'm yeah. talking to you, man i love i love talking to people until i don't you know <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> Oh man, I know you've got um, that course to get to, so I'll, I'll uh, we'll wrap up here. But yeah, so where can where can people find you on uh, on the gram? Um, I'm on Instagram. I think it's like George Bell for Junior, um, and that's pretty much it. Man, I'm on Facebook George Bell, but I don't Facebook's yeah. for like. Oh, no, it's, it's like old, it's like old school now, isn't it? <laughs> I'll um, get, get a TikTok soon, George. <laughs> uh, not yet. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll I'll link up the um yeah your your Instagram on the description of the show. What was the um, name of the organization again? Uh, just for the listeners. Uh-oh. The Honor Foundation. You can find them at uh, thehonorfoundation.org. And then uh, I assume there they can like is there a donate link or button? Oh, yeah. I think go on there. You can apply if you're a special operations soldier in in the army. That's just army, air force, marines, whatever, navy, anything you can. You know, you can go do this course. I, I recommend it. If you're if you're retiring, you're getting out, please go to the Honor Foundation and try to get in. Awesome, it's man. Recommended. There, there we go, um, George. I just want personally, like the you know, obviously, thank you for the from a distance. I've been following you guys for for ages. Uh, so thanks for dropping your knowledge out there, all the podcasts and hard work that you've done through Fieldcraft. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have found you guys otherwise. Um, I, I think. They're still doing great stuff, but I certainly think when you were there, it was, it was fantastic. It's, that was that escalation point that I think uh, that really started taking off. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, man, I wish you nothing but the best. And, um, yeah, we'll just keep in touch and hopefully do another one of these down the track. All right, man. Take care. All right. See ya. See ya.